As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the highly optimistic, here to bring you the great, wonderful, feel good about the world news. My name is Matt. Sometimes I go by the Grass Factor, Martin, and alongside I have two extra special co-hosts, Mr. Ryan DeMay and Mr. Ray Ito. Gentlemen, how the hell are y'all tonight? Well, I got to say, the pep that you got in your step, I think it's somewhere between the naps that you talked about in the pre-show and also that (laughs) inguinal hernia that you talked about in the pre-show. Something about those two topics got you a little excited here, Matt. I'm, 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 I'm happy. But also a little bit, you know, uh, nervous about how this is going to go. You're you're wildly optimistic, Ray. How are you feeling tonight? Where are you? Where are you at on the optimism pessimism scale here today? I I was actually feeling good this morning until I just got done talking with somebody that uh, basically has Ted as their landscape care person right now. Is that a real thing? Like he really is their landscape care person? Yes. Or there's a guy that is emasquerading. Is there an imposter? Say yeah, it. There's so. a Ted imposter. No, no, there's a Ted imposter because I, I had to listen to this nice person tell me, Ray, I don't understand why the fungicide that he's using isn't working on uh, this leaf spot on, on the trees that oh, he's spraying. No. And. The reason why is because the fungicide dosage goes into a hose end sprayer. Yeah, man. <laughs> There's just some things that you make can't you see me face palming. If you're uh, if you're listening, well, he, that, was, that was that was that was an aggressive face palm because you people can also see that you're wearing a hat and you face palm yeah. so hard the bill of your hat looked like it went through your hand. It yeah, it, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you facepalm so hard, Ryan, and but then I'm uh, I'm looking, I'm listening to this, and I'm saying, yeah, well, you know what? Uh, of course, the fungicide's not going to work because, uh, for one thing, you don't know how much per hundred gallon equivalent is actually being applied to these trees. So I make no no guarantees or promises as to whether the application's even going to work. The guy is officially a dumbass. <laughs> Well, and I don't know, man, like I'm, I'm just not sure. And maybe I'm just too, um, too naive to it, but I'm not sure that lawn care has got to be in the top 10, uh, biggest industries where you can turn over something highly dangerous to people and just let them go out there and mess it all up. 
like it, it's just like a free for all. I swear to God, like I can't think of many it, other it things. Maybe maybe a fireworks store off of I forty in Tennessee that might that might top turf, <laughs> but. Um, the big silver one that says fireworks with a gigantic billboard and it lights up at nighttime like <laughs> uh, like a SpaceX <laughs> launch or something. Yes, uh, those are pretty impressive. Some guy walks out of the door, cigarette hanging on his lip. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny. It's one of the few places you can still smoke inside in the state of Tennessee. Uh, they actually allow it at the fireworks store. Uh, what, can't can't really? in a restaurant or bar anymore, but you can in the in the fireworks store. I'll be I'll a fireworks place. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that. I, really, you can do that. You can't do that, can you? You can't you're do that. Come shit. on, you're full of shit. I'm, I'm just shit. making sure. It sounded hey, Tennessee, good, man. Didn't it? Tennessee. It was convincing. <laughs> I want to know. Hey, how are we gonna? How, you know, we had that discussion earlier today, Matt. How are we gonna onshore all of our fireworks production? There's there's a growth business right there. <laughs> Think of all the stupid money that flies around. You know, around July Fourth, you know onshoring the firework industry could be a, a big deal here. You know what, Ryan? There is actually an Italian family that has been making fireworks in the United States for decades now. I, I know them as the Gucci brothers. They're famous. Really? They, ma really? they make fireworks. But the thing is, is that those are the fellas that make those big shells that go over the stadium and go boom and all you see all the colors coming out. I mean, they make the big ass, you know, like four or five inch or six inch big balls. There's, Gruchis, there's one. Yeah. Uh, them. There's another one. Them. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I don't know. We'll we'll have to look at the uh, the domestic firework production industry and see if we can find one of those Google News articles on it and see what the uh, what the growth looks like. We'll have to. To do, pay yeah, for over, over the next seven to ten years, maybe that, that's some investment <laughs> opportunity here. Maybe that's the direction we expand the green industry is uh, fertilizer and fireworks. It, it what if, goes yeah, what well if you together. Could, that alliteration is well, nice. Aerial applications, but, but you know right? No, but you know what? It, the, it, it would fit because, God, the same thing goes in the fireworks, potassium nitrate. <laughs> yeah well guess listen though i can already see <laughs> the affiliate weird. links guys i can already see the affiliate <laughs> links right right from spoon juice to boom juice motherfuckers With roll that, those headlines <laughs> let's take a look at our headlines you were cooking that this is just the news. We are bringing it to you live from Spoon Juice to Boom Juice here because, uh, <laughs> boy, there's no shortage of Boom Juice in Ukraine right now. The Ukraine war hits, but there is a shortage of Spoon Juice, though, and that's what we're going to talk about is the Ukraine war hits farmers as Russia cuts fertilizer supplies, hurting who? Well, in this particular instance, right now, a major freakout is taking place in Brazil. Brazil is searching for new fertilizer suppliers as the war in UK Ukraine threatens to cut off shipments to one of the world's bread baskets with potential ripple effects on already high global food inflation. So for those of you that don't remember, prior to the onset of Russia invading Ukraine, we were already in the midst of coming out of or looking for light at the end of the tunnel and one of the strangest fertilizer shortages we've ever encountered. In the midst of also incurring fertilizer shortages, we're also experiencing uh, record levels of inflation. 
And then how do we compound that with an exponent at the end of the equation? Well, we <laughs> add war into the conflict and uh, we add war into the into the uh, uh, into the equation and, and just take it really to the next level. So we've gone from an exponent to a factorial uh, type of math problem here. Uh, the Latin American it's country, Brazil, <laughs> it has, it has, is the largest producer of coffee, soybeans, and sugar, and the most dependent of the world's uh, its agricultural superpowers on imported for, for fertilizer. Brazil imported 85% of its fertilizer, and about a fifth of those imports came from Russia. So 20% came from Russia, 85% of their fertilizer usage is imported. Uh, the Russian trade ministry has called for a broad suspension of fertilizer exports. Uh, Brazil depends on fertilizer. It's a sacred question for us. President uh, Bolsonaro told reporters earlier this week, defending his decision to maintain cordial relations with Moscow as Russia attacks Ukraine. Mr. Bolsonaro was one of the world leaders, first world leaders, uh, last world leaders to visit Russian President Vladimir Putin before the invasion of Ukraine began on February 24th, meeting with him at the Kremlin on February 16th. Uh, if Brazil's farmers have to pay significantly more for fertilizer or are unable to produce as many crops, the cost of its agricultural products is likely to climb, driving up world food prices. Brazil is also an important supplier of corn and beef. Higher grain prices increase animal feed costs, which are passed on to consumers who have to pay more for feed, uh, for meat and other animal products. Um, before the Ukraine conflict, farmers across the world were already struggling to buy enough fertilizer, some of which more than doubled in price from last year. Uh, all of them doubled in price from last year, as a matter of fact. Uh, now we're you know knocking on triple and doesn't seem to have any kind of relief area in sight. Uh, higher natural gas prices, hampered production of ammonia needed for nitrogen fertilizers, while power outages at Chinese fertilizer plants in Hurricane Ida and U.S. curtailed global production. Wink, wink. Uh, war in Ukraine and sanctions on Russia have made the situation worse. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, basically, and I'll kind of come down here to the end. Uh, it says uh, that was before food inflation gripped, uh, gripped the region. It would be a miracle if the situation doesn't get worse higher fertilizer costs also prevent brazil's farmers from increasing production of grains to make up for shortfalls in ukraine and russia brazil has the technology to produce now with these embargoes the price of fertilizers could go up so much that it's not even worth planting to produce so interesting take here and look gentlemen if anybody has been paying attention to the commodities market and i i love uh someone shared it with me and i can't remember who it was but it is uh standard grain on youtube you can look, look them up there uh, standard grain on twitter as well uh did you did you send that to me that guy is that's that's my fucking guy right here like he's i'm all over it i, I comment i, I share my i'm gonna share time to time i'm gonna show you my uh, fertilizer guy next i got a perfect guy too so mm -hmm. in in this guy's right. trying to get to five thousand subscribers i highly recommend everybody hop over there subscribe to standard grain watch his videos they come out at 6 30 in the morning every day uh during during trading days and, uh, and it's a lot of real-time inside baseball information as far as what's going on. And so I'll kind of share with you. So Ukraine and, uh, is, and as well as Russia are both major wheat producers. And now uh, we don't know if Ukraine is going to be able to plant. And we sure as shit don't know if Ukraine is going to be able to harvest what is already, uh, uh, has already been grown. And so because of that, we're talking about a major shortfall, upwards of one-fifth of the market, 20% of the wheat market being absent on the global uh, oh, global scale yeah. here. So mm -hmm. what we have seen with uh, wheat prices is an 
absolute blast through uh, record highs of what previously were high wheat prices. And it was trading so fast, so upward, that they had to halt trading in an attempt to slow it multiple days in a row. That is unprecedented. We are living history right now. Take note of it. Remember each and every one of those things because here, here is the, sh- the stark thing in the, in the important thing to remember is that these commodity contracts right now being bought, we are not going to feel the effects of this in real time. Yes, it's trading real high right now, but you've got to remember people are holding inventory that they're using to produce. It's going to be six months, 12 months, 18 months from now where we start realizing that we're paying for the commodity price increases of the Ukrainian conflict, right? So um, get ready because any kind of hope or wish and where we were talking about dominoes being in place and heaven forbid if they fall, Boys, they are fucking falling right now. And I don't think there's anything at this point that's going to stop it. We are along for the ride, and it's going to be a wild-ass ride. And the only thing that would send this into absolute overdrive, which would be layers upon layers of uh, uh, um, dominoes falling, uh, and this would extend so greatly, so quickly, would be in the event of... uh, a, a war, greater war, right? So more countries becoming involved, NATO becoming involved, and the onset of World War III, which, you know, I'm I'm not going to, I don't want to make it sound like that that's what I think is going to happen. That's not what I think is going to happen at all. But to say that there still is room for shit to get worse, and that would be like the epitome of things going hell, hell in a handbasket kind of sort of deal. Um, but as far as what we're experiencing right now, you know, over the next 12, 18 months is, uh, I mean, buckle up because we're, we are in for an absolute shit show of a wild ride. Boys talk to me. Ray. Ray, what do you think? You go first. Man, I mean, this is uh, going to literally make me want to and need to hoard flowers. Mm. I mean, seriously. It's going to make me hoard flour because uh, I don't imagine a world without biscuits and gravy, fettuccine Alfredo, or pizza. You take That's those not a world I want to live in. No, you take those three things away from me, and good grief, uh, I'm going to stop being nice, Matt. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to stop being nice. When those three things go are taken away from me, I'm going to stop being nice. <laughs> Ray, beat the hell out of again because he ran out of wheat. Somebody get that man some biscuits, please. <laughs> you know, Talk to me, Demay. It's... Be a voice of reason here. Am I overreacting? Am I, am I being oddly calm about the whole thing? Where, where am I on your, on your crazy, crazy hot matrix scale? <laughs> extra hot and always crazy your name should be mm. tiffany and you should be a stripper uh oh it's a pow it's from that's from i want to make from, love in this club in this club <laughs> in this club um only thing is that t- tiffany was very petite and she was a no a not that it was it's from the video we'll watch we'll watch the hot crazy matrix video after he yeah. he makes reference to a, a woman named Tiffany. Anyway, 
What do I think? Uh, you know, the it's going to be the ripple effect, right? We're going to see this reverberate. So, like, what's the next thing, mm-hmm. right? It is coming up in our crop production cycles. And what if things get worse, right, as we're ramping up through planting season? What if things get worse if we're ramping up through summertime, right? And what if we hit a drought? Like, all these things, all these other uncontrollable and external factors right um yes which in a g- important thing you brought up there is drought in the midwest right now which is another major wheat producer so it's not like you know all of a sudden we can just start ramping up acres of production because we're dealing with lingering drought in the area too so sorry to interrupt but great no point. you're fine you're fine but you're gonna but you're gonna have people respond like it, it, i mean who knows how this is all gonna shake out right like how many farmers look at nitrogen prices and say hey you know what instead of corn i'm going to go with wheat because you know i can probably get paid more on wheat maybe right maybe the margins there maybe they're not just depends on how you know you're set up and ready to go in terms of crop production but even so i think it's going to be this sort of ripple effect that we see i mean if you look at tonight and we're recording this on sunday you know market futures on uh british uh, crude oil are up to like 135 a barrel i mean absolutely crazy prices right now so I don't think this is going to move any, in any generally good direction. You know, you might see it pop up and slide back and everything like that. The other question, too, is from a, a fertilizer standpoint, like on the other side, fellas, is, you know, uh, for, you know, nitrogen and others, like, are we going to see a ripple effect because we have, you know, uh, Ukraine and Russia not planting as many acres? Is that going to be a thing? So all this being said, you know, my biggest thing is, you know, while um, you know, Mr. Uh, Mr. Putin probably could use some stress blend a little bit. You know, I just hope he's not going all the way down the wormhole to get uh, himself dominating his neighbors because that would be bad. Yeah, uh, yeah that would be terrible. Hey, you, you just, you, singer. Uh, I think neighbor domination is right up there on top of what uh, old, old lad's trying to trying to achieve. Um, I don't I don't want to harp too much on this because I'm sure everybody is glued to the news reading about it. And there's nothing really of value of a, of a geo, geopolitical stance that I can add to this. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll go ahead and bring this up that, you know, you, you've got you've got multiple different schools of thoughts on this where some people are like, oh, well, we can take our conventional um, uh, ethanol corn acres, convert them over to wheat and, and you know, and, and do away with ethanol and fuel production. And, you know, that, that would at least offset some of the, and I don't know if it would be a one-to-one uh, a replacement as far as what we grow for ethanol to, to supplement that with wheat. And then, you know, you, you've got, you've got two different crops for wheat too. You know, you can have a, a, a spring wheat and a fall wheat too, depending on, you know, how, uh, how far North you are, what latitude you're at. So, there's there's a, a, a lot of different things out there, and I don't know what the right answer is, and and it's still continuing to unfold. And, and like I said, this is history being written right now. And last week was the first week of ever having to deal with this at this magnitude with this kind of population that we're dealing with in the world right now. So it'll be interesting to check out and uh, and keep a close an eye on, close eye on. And again, I highly recommend everybody hop over to uh, Standard Grain and uh, and you know if you're into that kind of thing, uh, you know getting a getting a peek into the behind the scenes of uh, of the uh, commodity market there. Now we'll move on to the next article here, which is uh, we're going to go more traditional turf grass management here, and this is from the GCSAA. It says the effects of core recycling versus conventional airification practices. 
How are plant and soil properties influenced when sand from air, airification cores gets returned to a green? Uh, and so basically they talk about the, the, the setup that they're doing here is they're working with ultra, uh, ultra dwarf Bermuda grass. Um, and in one instance, they are doing a traditional uh, uh, core aeration and then co collecting the cores. And remember these ultra dwarf uh, Bermuda grass greens are um, uh, grown on USGA spec sand, right? So it has a sand based growing medium. And then, after they core this, they are replacing it with sand, right? Uh, with fresh uh, uh, sand is is coming back in and they're, and they're filling in uh, the holes and the voids with it. Um, in this particular instance, what they're testing is uh, core airification, but then they are using on one of their sections a core recycler. And basically what this is, is this is a screening device that is going to tumble the cores and allow the sand that was previously used to support the growth of the grass to be reintroduced back into the holes that it was removed. And they would discard the organic matter uh, and thatch layer and stuff that was also removed with the core, right? So you are recycling the sand that was originally used to grow this, right? Um, and we'll kind of hop over here to the results. And I, I again, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what this means. And, and I'm sure um, uh, Demay and uh, uh, Ray will be able to provide some more insight into this uh, on each of these because we see some positive things. We see some things that could be considered negative here. But uh, effectively, so a lot of times when core airification is being performed, the goal there is to actually reduce organic matter content, right? Because they're trying to uh, inhibit the over accumulation of organic matter. And what we see is in this particular instance between a conventional and a core recycler type of, uh, of program here, we are retaining higher levels of uh, organic matter in the growing medium. Now, as we hop down to root biomass, uh, we see what we are also preserving one hell of a root system uh, compared to just your conventional airification. Then if we take a look at turf grass color, um, we are getting significantly greater color out of using a core recycler than we were with uh, a conventional core aeration. Now, and then we look at NVDI scores and, you know, uh, NDVI looks, looks better too. So, uh, you know, color is improved thus because color has improved. Ultimately, inputs can be reduced, right? Because a lot of times when we are uh, supplementing with inputs, the whole uh, kit and caboodle there is to uh, um, uh, improve, improve color and, and, and growth characteristics, right? But if we're getting enough nutrient return, by recycling the sand here, um, even though we're starting with a little bit higher organic matter, it may not be above the threshold that could produce a negative impact on these golf grains. So kind of an interesting approach here. Demay, I know you shared this. So uh, talk to us. You know, I, I tried to give a little bit of a rundown here, but when you yeah. see this, what what is going through your head and do you think that this is one of those cultural practices that we should be looking at in lieu of our traditional core airification program? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great look at, uh, you know, sort of the, the gold standard against something that's a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say new, but really unexplored, right, in terms of quantifying it and trying to qualify it as a useful practice, right? So the idea that, 
we can basically grind up what's there, return that back in along with some top dressing versus completely coring everything, removing all those cores and then replacing with fresh clean sand. So, you know, if you look down at, uh, you know, some of the data, the interesting stuff there to pull out and unpack is essentially that the, uh, you know, the uh, pulverization method, right, actually yielded very similar results uh, all the way around. What was changing, though, Ray, and I thought you might find this interesting, was uh, the pulverization versus the conventional cores all good everything's kind of the same right very negligible differences except for when you start to add in higher nitrogen rates right so it made me think of a couple of things as you know i looked at this and thought of it in our context is you know number one uh that we know that mature lawns especially whether you're on warm season or cool season really do need less nitrogen to function right okay so yes. from that standpoint but i also wonder too if you know some of the things that get pushed in terms of Oh, you know, you got to dethatch the lawn. Oh, you know, you got to or aerate the lawn. Whether they know it or not, I wonder if some of the people that are espousing these views are doing so because they know that they're advertising high nitrogen programs on lawns that don't necessarily need it. Thoughts? Okay, Ryan, my thought on this is <clears throat> I've, I've experienced this for myself is that on lawns where the nitrogen is not moderated those are the lawns where the only way to keep them maintainable week after week is you are going to have to reduce your organic matter and your enr uh by mechanical and manual means otherwise that son of a gun is going to grow like hell on you you're going to have a hard time controlling it or managing it so, yeah, and I uh, obviously this so is done thing, on golf greens. But go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. But then on the golf green, what this means for the golf superintendent is I know the standard or normal practice after an aeration and and uh, you know sand refreshment with new clean sand is they then need to go out and give a slug of like, you know, 0.25 to 0.5 pounds of uh, available nitrogen right away to get the green to grow back. But if they're recycling the existing sand that also contains the ENR load, then mm -hmm. they might not need to actually come back with the fertilizer application. It's no longer urgent. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, like I no said. No longer it. urgent uh, because... Because the, the nutrients are present in that recycled sand material because I'd imagine that when you pull the cores, whatever nitrogen and phosphorus, et cetera, that is leached down into the cores is going to come back up and be refed to the grass. Agreed. And I think recycled the, core system. You're gonna have you're gonna have higher you know higher potential for that to happen the higher you are in the surface right we know that from some of the woods or the work from Michael Woods here as of late the OM two forty six project if you're interested check it out probably the best stuff yeah. going on right now in the organic matter space but uh, no I just think that it's a here's what I don't want to see people fall into and this is sort of like the the impetus for putting this out there was 
not so much the treat you know the newer treatment or the uh, unexplored treatment versus the gold standard right it was more so that even if those things are equaled out right in terms of uh the results it's still indicative uh or uh, i guess operative that that the end rate right is what's sort of driving some of that or, or the, the vast majority of it because that's where they saw sort of the separation in those two plots was dependent on the nitrogen rate and so I think there is just not getting people caught in this cycle of I got to bomb the shit out of N and then I got to make sure that I dethatch and I do all, you know, I do all these cultural practices where if I were to manage N correctly, I might not have to do that. So because that was sort of the uh, overarching message. Because Ryan, mm-hmm. guess how many times I've aerated the Bowling Green? What's that? Since taking over. Zero. Zero. And the reason why mm. is that OM has not built up to excessive levels. I don't have sponginess. I don't have thatch. And the reason why I don't have thatch is maximum 0.1 pounds of N per month. And I cut the N off when gross potential goes below 50%. Yep. That's how you do it right there. That's exactly how you do that. Um, you know, and, and again, to, to highlight one of the things uh, that was, was said there was um, Michael Woods and the OM246, uh, pretty, pretty interesting stuff there. Uh, Asian turf grass. Um, what 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 is the what is the full name Center. of his Asian turf? Is, is it just Center. Asian turf grass? Uh, Asian turf grass center dot com center. Yeah, yeah uh, Asian turf grass center dot com and sign up for his uh his his email that he puts out. He also has a Discord channel uh that you can check out and uh and he's very responsive. He'll he'll talk to you. Just remember he's on the other side of the planet, so uh it might be a little bit of a delay by the time he does get back to you. He is legit in Asia doing this, so. Um, definitely want to plug people pioneering that in the, uh, in the industry, uh, turf replacement bill gains ground. Uh, so we talked about this a little while ago. Um, <laughs> Jay paint. I hate headlines like that. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> it gains ground. Oh, I get it. I didn't get it at first. Now I get it. Um, so when we talked about this, what they were looking to do was raise uh, local funds to replace turf grass areas with uh, drought-resistant landscaping, right? So basically, you know, you you agree to have your grass removed, and and uh, they'll give you the money to put in the drought-resistant landscaping. And turns out it is picking up steam here. Um, a turf replacement bill, which passed unanimously this week out of the House Agriculture, Livestock, and Water Committee would require the State Water Board to develop a statewide program to provide financial incentives for the voluntary replacement of irrigated turf with water-wise drought-resistant landscaping. Local entities that already have turf replacement programs could apply the Colorado Water Conservation Board could apply to it for money to help increase the rebate to property owners. In areas where a program doesn't currently exist, the CWCB would have to hire a contractor to administer a program. 
Uh, the drafters of the House bill said it's aimed at efficient water use and would increase communities' resilience to drought and climate change and reduce the scale of agriculture water rights to meet increased demand in cities and protect river flows. Uh, sponsors are asking the program to be funded with $4 million from the general fund. The bill's next stop is the House Appropriations Committee. Um, so, in you know, you can read through this and uh, and take a look at it, but the point here that we wanted to bring forward is that uh, it is gaining steam. And Again, I, you know, in certain instances, this can be a good thing. In other instances, this could be a bad thing. Um, and I want to, without being too conspiratorial here, what I do want to say is that I'll, I'll go ahead and highlight at least uh, some bad things, and then I'll end on good things about it, right? Uh, in terms of bad things, if if the uh, improvement of soils and the accumulation of organic matter in soils, as we all know, as science tells us, will increase rates of carbon sequestration, atmospheric carbon sequestration, and that would be the density and availability of leaf surface area, um, then we are sacrificing uh, the, the carbon sink approach towards uh, – uh, well, from from turf grasses, and uh, and that, and not only that, but also the filtration we get from turf grasses. So that is a major step backwards, uh, because remember, the rate of carbon sequestration actually exceeds the rate of uh, the carbon offsets produced by mowing and uh, and fertilizing. So it is a net positive to have a a home lawn here. So we are sacrificing that to go in with these other types of drought resistant plants where we do not have the plant density. We do not have the amount of leaf surface area. Therefore, we do not have the amount of photosynthesis. Therefore, we do not have the same rate of carbon sequestration. So that is a negative. Now, in the positive is that how many water programs that homeowners are running on their home lawns are just piss poor where you set it, it's going to come on once a day or once every other day for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, no matter what. It's a set it and forget mm -hmm. it, Bronco style approach of watering. And that is a bad thing. And in that regard, it doesn't bother me one bit if these people yank out their grass and replace it with landscaping, because to be honest, from my perspective, they don't fucking deserve my grass. And, uh, and I hate to have such a harsh view on it, but you know, take it seriously or give it up kind of sort of deal. Right. And if they can, you know, allocate funds to be able to do this without, you know, passing the buck on to everybody else who does manage their lawn responsibly, uh, then, uh, then, you know, go, go ahead, go about it. Um, Ray, I know you're probably going to have a, a, uh, a less spicier take on this because, uh, you know, we talked about it when we brought up the, the article last time. So now that it's made it through here, what, it, what you, have your feelings on it changed at all? Or are you, you still in the same headspace? I'm pretty much still in the same headspace uh, because, again, at the end of the day, I love turf grass, Matt. You know that, right? I love yeah. grass. But. But I love grass so much that I only want to see it where people that have it are going to show it love and maintain it appropriately. And if they're not going to do it, then no grass for you. Next. <laughs> Demay, uh you, what do you what do you think? Uh, should they should they adopt this bill to further places? Keep it in drought stricken areas? Uh should we start ripping out lawns in here in Knoxville where we get 50 inches of rain a year and uh, there's no shortage of water considering we have five convening lakes and rivers uh, right here in city square? Uh, you know, 
I, I think this is in response to like what you guys were saying is that people that have not managed the resources that they're given responsibly. I think that's, you know, the first thing I, I, I don't know that we would be in quite this situation or have quite the target on our back as we do. If people were a little bit more responsible when it came to irrigation, scheduling, programming, maintenance, like all those things that really go into mm-hmm. having a fine, finely tuned uh, irrigation system and especially in a place where you need it. I mean, it's one thing for somebody in Ohio to say, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to maintain my irrigation system. Well, you know, water is abundant. It's cheap. There's no real you know, risk of, of us running out at any point for the most part, but that still doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. But it, those, those issues are magnified when you're in an area that has uh, so little resources, right. And such precious resources. So, you know, should we do it? Should we have this type of legislation? I think you got to offer people an out. Like what Ray said, it's it's the uh, what are the uh, the safe harbor thing, you know, where you can drop your your child off if you think can't care for it or something like that. Like there there should be a thing mm-hmm. like that because otherwise, be what are, you know, where what do you do? Yeah, because for me, uh, I literally encourage people only have grass when and where it can be taken care of. Conversely. When somebody tries to do the responsible thing too, uh, they then run up against bureaucracy where the sad situation to me is when somebody is forced to have grass and they're forced to have it in a place where that grass has no earthly business being. It's not practical. It's not maintainable. It's not reasonable. And the government says, you have to have grass here. Well, you know what, bureaucrat? Get your ass over here and you show me how to take care of this without creating a new or different kind of problem. You show me how to do it. And oh, by the way, bureaucrat, I'm also going to be grading this grass on appearance. So if it looks like a pile of dog shit, sorry, you fail. <laughs> and I don't yeah, know what and- the market's like. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'll go ahead. I will. No, you hang up. All right, fine. Fuck you. Bye. Um, <laughs> other thing would be, I, I would, I would, here's if, if I had uh, the ability to go testify in front of the uh, Colorado legislature, I'd tell them, uh, allow this credit to go to small businesses, land, you know, lawn, lawn and land care or landscape providers, right? That are going to do this the right way, Ray. That are not going to cut any corners and that are going to provide maintenance for it ongoing because that's how we got into this mess in the first place is we didn't maintain it correctly or didn't scope it correctly Mm -hmm. when we installed it or didn't have it designed correctly and now it's time to turn it over to somebody who can take care of it so i would love to see a provision in there like that that says hey listen you can get x number of dollars and it's you know whatever something ridiculously low or you can have this go to somebody who makes sure that they can maintain it right um that'll do it for you at your Absolutely. house, do it for you at your commercial property, something like that, and not put our our folks, right, out of business for no good reason. I think this is something, if you're in an area that's like this, right, that's, uh, you know, restricted water, has, you know, very, very little water resources, it's a good pivot to at least have this in your arsenal of how to install this stuff, how to take care of it properly, because it too, regardless of what anybody will tell you, it too needs maintenance. So something yes. to think about. Yes, Ryan. Because I got a weed control question on the Discord regarding how to safely control vegetation 
in a Xeriscape rock bed. You know, I got the question. And conversely, I also think as far as the shed fires that I get to look at when somebody installs artificial turf and oh corners were cut during the install, like, how's this for a horrific one, Ryan? I got to mm. see what happens when the zoysia grass that the artificial turf was installed on decides to come back. Yeah, that's Ooh. ugly. Through, that's, that, through that. the artificial turf. And, of course, what I ended up doing is I ended up saying, okay, I'm going to have to do something horrific and spicy to try to kill this zoysia out. And then we're going to have to rake and vacuum all the dead zoysia out of it. Oh, I, I figured, I, I pictured Ray rolling up to this house with like a D8 bulldozer. <laughs> I'm actually going to remove the top 24 inches of your soil, replace it with sand, and then we'll relay the uh, the artificial turf. Um, the, the last article here plays into this same vein, and I'll just highlight this here, that also what's taking place in Colorado is simultaneously taking place in Salt Lake City. They have three bills here. Um, one, a $5 million incentive for those who replace their lawns. Um, a secondary meter of uh, water metering, which will require water suppliers to meter new and existing pressurized secondary water connections and impose penalties for those who fail to comply with metering requirements. And SB 110 requires water use and preservation element to be part of a municipal or county general plan with some exceptions. The bill targets long-term water use and water supplies essential for growing communities and increasing drought. So it's not just in Colorado. It's also in Utah with a bit more detail here. Go ahead, Ryan. There the one interesting part of this is that they're willing to do what Colorado is doing, right? In terms of offering incentives to convert. However, mm -hmm. they are singling out and not allowing that credit to be used on golf courses, parks, or athletic fields. So, you know, right. some, some, some huge opportunities there that they could take advantage of. I know that there's, uh, there's courses in Phoenix and other, other places around Arizona that have been paid to convert large areas of turf into, you know, native areas and things like that, desert areas. I wish there was something like that too, because I'm sure that those folks don't want to use any more than they have to, but they're probably stuck where, Hey, if we had a little bit of help, maybe we could do this. I'm sure the government's probably saying, Hey, you're private businesses. You guys are making money hand over fist, which may or may not be true. Go figure it out. And it's unfortunate. They can't partner together and try to make a bigger dent in it a lot more quickly. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I, I see, where it's going to in that now the government is getting very punitive about it because do you all understand what a metered water supply is for irrigation? Yeah. 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 Um, so secondary, yeah. secondary meter, you know, bypassing your, uh, sewer. Um, yeah. No, a deduct no. Meter and, is what and, here. Oh, Oh, a deduct meter. But then, like what's done in the city and county of Honolulu is absolutely evil in that in most cases, you're not allowed a secondary or a deduct meter. Therefore, mm. all of your water usage is basically tied to the meter. And therefore, you're under yeah, tremendous pressure not to use water. You know, not to use water. I mean, I have people freaking out over every single drip or, you know, runoff they see. I have people freaking out should. about that kind of stuff. 
well as they should but then you know it's uh it, so it's kind of news to me when a municipality doesn't have a water meter you know it's and, and now they got to put one in because it's like oh hell that's been my entire life is water is metered everywhere here in hawaii it all goes through a water meter and you pay wastewater and uh usage of potable water and they calculate your wastewater fee based on your water consumption and you know what the border the water department's position is on that we don't give a fuck about irrigation we're going to charge you for it as if you're using it all down the drain or down the toilet yeah and i you know i don't know if that's exactly what their intent is of what they're doing here but it very well may could be you know most municipalities are going to have separate systems and uh but you know it again something to keep an eye on we'll see how far it ends up making it in utah as well uh gentlemen this week our show is brought to you again by lawn supply company uh if you haven't checked it out and this is going to be for people that have a bit more advanced approach towards lawn care that are interested in uh and taking a spoon feed approach so if you're a real mo guy and desire the type of property and uh and maintenance schedule that that ryan nor puts forth on on uh, his own personal yard be sure to check out ryanorlawncare.com the lawn supply company uh, you can see various products that were put together here. And this week, we will have a new green ore SP. This will be a soluble, uh, chelated iron source, unlike anything on the market right now. This is literally, literally the, the, the launch of it will be here. And let me tell you, to make this a reality, um, there, was, there was a lot of things that had to take place. This was designed to go out in agriculture first. And, uh, and, and you know what? It got bypassed and literally it is going to Ryan Knorr first uh, before it even makes it to agriculture. So this week we will be launching some more information on that. So check it out, lawnsupplycompany.com uh, or ryannorlawncare.com. Uh, gentlemen, let's talk about this week's Burns. Talk to me, Demay. <laughs> I came at the right time. Uh, that you did, and it sounded like it was in simultaneous cohesion with Sheila there, and y'all must have been thinking about what the UK considers using Brexit Brexit freedom to allow pesticides banned in the EU on food, right? Was that, actually, was that the topic of conversation? Actually, I can remember my mm-hmm. eighth grade health health teacher, Mr. Miller, saying, think of just that for specific, you know, current events topic if you want to have a simultaneous orgasm. He was right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you I'm, set me up like that. I'm going to knock it down. I, 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 it. What was going through my head was like, hey, when I get on the show, I'm going to talk to my wife and I'm going to bring up the UK considers using Brexit freedom for allowing pesticides banned in EU on food and just gauge her reaction, right? Is my wife going to be like, oh, honey, that is so interesting. Please keep talking to me about that. Or is she just literally going to snore in my face and be like, are you, are you talking? Shut up. <laughs> um, Shut up. <laughs> I, would, I would imagine a laugh there. Uh, the chemicals are banned from domestic production, but can still be imported on food. Again, this is a follow-up to an article that we talked about previously where 
Um, the EU and, uh, and England were considering no longer importing food from Africa because they had been treated with pesticides that were no longer allowed in the UK and the EU. But it turns out they said, well, maybe that was a bad idea. And you know what? Yeah, <laughs> we won't let it happen here. But as long as they use it over there and it keeps our food, food supply secure, especially in the midst of, you know, Oh, Vlad getting bomb happy on the Ukraine. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. just we'll just sweep this under the rug. Uh, Brussels announced uh, it was banning 10 pesticides on imported fruit and veg vegetables uh, in February last year. And the UK was at the time widely expected to follow suit. But over a year later, the Department of Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, DEFRA, says no decision has been made yet on whether Britain will follow the EU or continue to permit the chemicals on food. All the pesticides have not been allowed for use by domestic farmers in either the UK or EU for some years, but were still allowed for imports from outside the block subject to maximum residue levels checked by border staff, which makes perfect sense. You don't want to bring in food that has uh, detectable parts per million levels that are going to be acutely um, uh, uh, toxic to whoever consumes the fruit or vegetable in question. Uh, But last year, Brussels regulation 2021-155 cut the maximum residue levels for all the chemicals to the lowest possible level allowed under EU law, effectively banning their use on food destined for the uh, continent. The change was announced by the European Commission in the February 2021 and took effect in September of last year, but the UK had not decided whether to follow suit or not. Um, The eight chemicals that are still permitted on imports to the UK, but not the EU, were banned for a variety of reasons. Chlorothalonil, uh, is considered potentially carcinogenic and is judged to be a possible groundwater contaminant, propiconazole, um, uh, chloroprofam, and I believe there was a few others here that were uh, pretty pretty popular. Uh, so, however, the EU has already tightened the rules, so why hasn't the UK followed suit? Any suggestion that prospective trade deals with countries that commonly use these pesticide, pesticides may have influenced delays to the reassessment would be deeply concerning. We mustn't trade away health and environment safeguards for the sake of a few pounds or use the UK's newfound regulatory freedom to trash standards that protect people and the planet rather than raise them. An investigation by Greenpeace Unearth Unit published on Friday found that Britain companies had shipped more than 10,000 tons of banned pesticides overseas in 2020, including propaganazole. Uh, Greenpeace UK Policy Director Dr. Doug Parr described the practice of exporting chemicals banned in the UK to be used overseas on food to be imported back to Britain as a toxic boomerang. Uh, and then ministers should not allow the environmental standards to fall behind those enforced across the channel. Uh, Britain should be leading out in front by banning this toxic trade and promoting a healthier food system for people and nature. Okay, so again, with the in the midst of everything that's going on right now, I totally get why they are uh, giving this a second guess and a second look uh, because real shit is popping off. Uh, and that's to, to put it lightly, uh, there's, there's nothing about what we're experiencing right now that is normal or predictable or who knows what the hell's going to happen tomorrow. And so you do have to consider that, oh, okay, you know, well, as long as it's within, uh, uh, levels that are not going to accuse acute, uh, uh, cause acute toxicity. And even though it's something we wouldn't allow in domestic production, as long as we're keeping people fed and from starving and from going absolutely ape shit in the streets and killing people and eating the hands and fingers of, of their neighbors, then maybe we can look away from it for a little while until we can figure out some sort of alternative. Because if you look at the, <laughs> some of the products that are, that are in the, uh, the crosshairs here, 
Uh, chlorothalonil, incredibly important when it comes to disease management and especially disease resistance management. Uh, propiconazole, also a very important tool in, uh, in, in disease management. So not really easy alternatives to turn to and say, well, if we're going to take away X, we can replace it with Y because X is about as good as anything Y would ever have to offer. Ray, talk to me here. Uh, are you shocked to see this at all, given the, the current uh, climate that we're in right now? No, I am not shocked at all. And I told you uh, on previous shows, up until Great Britain joined the EU, Great Britain had all the cool stuff. You know, they were the type to, hey, you know what? Let's get this done. I mean, the EU came in and basically, for lack of a better description, pussified the UK because now it's all about health and safety overall. And you know what? People aren't going to get cancer or whatever, but they might starve first, Matt. They might starve first because, yeah. for example, chlorothalonil is a very key fungicide for wheat production even. Yes. Did you know that? Chlorothalonil is ultra important for protecting wheat and potatoes from diseases. And you knock off or cut off chlorothalonil, oh boy. I mean, and propiconazole, yeah, that's uh, kind of important too. And then I recognize some of the insecticides as basically, you take those away, all you have left are the neonicotinoids and the pyrethroids, which the EU is going after the neonicotinoids and the pyrethroids too. So what have you got left? What have you got left? It doesn't make sense. Make it make sense to put for some alternatives or some course of actions mm -hmm. that people can 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 come up with and mm -hmm. execute. If you're a farmer in this area and you're watching all of this erode, you certainly, you certainly have to be thinking, what the hell am I going to have left? You know, oh, do I have crop insurance that pays out every year on lost crop or, uh, yeah. you know, am I stricken by the, you know, I get three times in, in 10 years and, you know, pray for the rest of the time. Who knows? No, because there's, let me, let me tell you what actually happens is that when these poor farmers suffer crop losses, what they do is they go literally go drink that liter of dimethoate that they now oh, can't Lord use have because mercy. you know what it, it's over for them okay it's over i mean that's literally what happens when you have a crop failure in one of these you know impoverished countries and i'm not exaggerating that's the truth <laughs> To me, uh, UK is, uh, is, yeah, maybe not so keen on adopting the EU policy there. Uh, what's your take on it? Uh, so it's interesting if you, if you read into this a little bit more and look at like where some of the, some of the thought is coming from, right? So the other side of this coin is the imports, right? So, you know, it's not just Africa, but they get a lot of their produce from Brazil. And so there's heavy pressure right now on uh, from Brazil or from uh, British farmers rather saying that, listen, 
if you don't let us play by the same rules as Brazil, they're going to come in here and walk all over us with imports that we cannot compete with on a price basis, like absolutely will not be able to compete with. So what are you going to do? Are you going to put us out of business or are you going to let us play by the same rules that they do? And so far, I mean, there's a lot of talk, right? Basically saying, well, you know, like some of this stuff is Brazil screwed by Russia right now. And yeah, yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is that's part of the reason that like you start connecting the dots on some of this stuff. And man, like it's it's heavy, man. Like it, 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 there's no end right to the, uh, the handkerchief that's coming out of the clown's mouth. Right. Like it's just going and going and going. And you just, I, I, so I think the uh, the funny part here though, is that I wonder, you know, I wonder how much of the uh, the world looked at you know something like Sri Lanka and was like, ooh, yeah, we better not do that. And I'm not saying pesticides, fertilizers, all, all a little bit different here and some of what happened over there. But like you guys said, like what's left, and you still have production goals you got to meet. Oh, we've got copper sulfate in the queue. We're going to copper sulfate the hell out of everything, and it's going to save us all because that is a non-toxic mined mineral with organic exemption, and uh, it'll save the world, Demay, and uh, it'll probably poison you at the the same time. Can we get a refrigerator ship and take all the organics over there? Uh, mm-hmm. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's, let's pack up a refrigerated barge and... Put put all the organics uh, and whatever else uh, you know is there. But then, here's the reality: is that you know when you're growing crops in a tropical country, your mm. insect and your disease pressure is amazing. Let me tell you, your insect and disease pressure is amazing, and that is why, for example, anybody for that imagines oh i am going to produce fruits and vegetables for example on an economic scale even here in hawaii pal i got a reality check for you okay i got a reality check because insect and disease pressure in tropical countries is amazing All yeah, of your it, organic, politically correct stuff is not going to fly. It doesn't happen. <laughs> no, it's it's not. And I guarantee you more people are likely to get hurt handling copper sulfate than they are uh, a majority of the, uh, the pesticides that were listed there for a multitude of reasons. Uh, speaking of handling pesticides in ways that probably shouldn't be done, let's talk about Pesty. Uh, delivering the best of pro and DIY pest control. A Utah startup is aiming to bring together the best of both worlds. We started Pesty because there aren't a lot of great options. Traditional companies have long contracts and high prices, and the store-bought products just don't last. We knew there was a better way. So they take a pro-grade solution and send it right to your door. Uh, Jepson adds, sales commissions can be up to 50% of the contract of a professional exterminator. They only spray a few dollars worth of product on your house. We started Pesty to help consumers be better informed and save money by cutting out the salespeople and the commissions. Um, all right. And I'm not going to continue reading this because it is highly, highly insulting, uh, to not take into consideration (laughs) that a lot of pest control operators, the overwhelming majority of pest control operators 
have to go to schooling, continuing education classes, maintain licenses, bonds, insurance. That goes into the cost of operating a business, including profit. And when you're talking about an application that costs $50, what is an acceptable level of profit on a $50 visit? Is $25, paying someone $25 in profit, an insane uh, 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 amount of money for them to share their expertise, years of schooling, years of continued education, and making informed decisions as as uh, Robert Palmer and the WeWorking team say, making data-driven decisions while out on uh, a homeowner's property to ensure the safety of not just the applicator, but also the people that live in the home, because there are lots of exterminators that do do that. And this is incredibly, incredibly fucking insulting. Uh, and uh, I, I just can't help but want to shit on each and every one of these guys <laughs> in this picture right here for insinuating that pest control wait. is a giant scumbag operation. I would like, wait a second. Now, first, I've got two exhibits of evidence I'd like to share with the group here. Ray might get more triggered than Matt. This could be a world record of Ray getting triggered back to back. I don't think we've ever seen it. All right. Jay Pink, go ahead and throw up that uh, that uh, photo I sent over of these are the products that uh, that contain. Oh, no, not that one. Not that one. <laughs> That's for later. Boy, I tell you what, I read that. I read that while I was talking a minute ago, and I ran out of, I I forgot Ray's name because I read that, and I I started wormholing. Just wait a second. All right, so here's here's what you get. You get four apps of this stuff. It's $29.99 a box, so Mm -hmm. uh, four apps of this for the year, so that's $116, whatever that is, right? So um Here's what you get in it, right? So initially, right, from a perimeter pest control, how do you feel about these products going out with a homeowner spraying it? And then I'm going to go ahead and grab you something really quickly here as exhibit number two. But let's just talk about products here for a second. Goodness gracious me, because these are the products where, my God, the EPA normally requires these products to only be confined to the actual structure uh or if not the actual structure you need separate licensing to be able to apply it in landscape areas and they need to be applied in such a way that runoff into waterways is absolutely not possible so for example you, you cannot apply any of this to like a concrete surface that drains into a waterway or a drain, mm-hmm. for example, you can't do that. Uh, other thing that you can't do is tempered and demand dual contain imidacloprid and diamethoxam respectively. And so therefore, when you're applying any of these, you must not allow these applications to contact anywhere where bees or other pollinators can contact inadvertently after application, because otherwise you're going to kill all the freaking bees. Remember so, the whole so, neonicotinoid argument? Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. double up. Jay Pink, go ahead and roll let's, that beautiful bean footage here real quick, if we can, please. Yeah, let, 
let's give people cyanotoxin and imidacloprid. Look at this guy. Uh, oh, great. Sprayer. They have a video. That's a nice little Henley oh. he's got there. Look at that. You know, a nice little shirt. I could see Matt Martin wearing that. V-neck. I could. I think I have that in a V-neck. <laughs> What's he, is he talking? T-shirt, man. Comes with everything you need to apply to your house. An electronic sprayer, application mixing bag, pesticide concentrate, a pair of nitrile gloves, and step-by-step instructions. Before you start applying, check with your local weather. What? Don't apply bag? if it's windy or if rain is expected in the next 24 hours. A few safety Holy tips. Smokes. As with any pesticide, avoid contact with eyes, skin, clothing, and always wash your hands after you apply pest control. Also, Jesus. allow treated areas to dry before allowing kids and pets to come in contact. Just now, wait. let's Just get started. Wait. First, put on the included gloves and fill the application bag about half <gasps> of Oh then, my pour the pesticide into the bag. Fill the no. bag up. The rest no. of the roll is dry. Insert the tube assembly and screw on the cap, finger tight. Ah. Shake bag thoroughly ah. to make sure that pesticide mixes with water. All right. Show pouring the pesticide in that bag nozzle. nozzle, please. They don't do it. They only show the water. Yeah, no, no, because no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Play it. Halfway full with water. Play it slow. Next, we, can we slow it down? Right there. Right there. The oh, they just zoom right over that, don't they? <laughs> this is him on pain. This is after he took the painkillers from his hernia surgery. Fentanyl is a bad yeah. choice. Look at this. <laughs> Look at this. How do you dispense that little bottle into that spout without spilling, spilling the whole freaking yeah. thing all over the place? And then you, you have it, to Matt? thread the needle. You've got to syringe the bag with a hose attachment that they, I'm sure they don't apply. And what happens if you squeeze that trigger too hard all right. and it just fucking blasts everywhere? All right, here we go. Roll it up. Give me a normal speed. Give me, uh, there we go. No more downers to this guy. Shake bag thoroughly to make sure that pesticide mixes with water. Good shake. All right. Good shake. Let's start applying. Your sprayer's nozzle is adjustable, so set the nozzle so that the spray is in a wide, even pattern. We're going to start spraying all the way around your foundation, about two feet up and two feet out on the ground. Make sure you apply in a consistent band around the perimeter of your house. In his As tennis you go, shoes. identify and in spray points of entry into your house, like vents, oh. pipes, cracks, and anywhere else pests can get into your house. When you come to a window or door, make sure you do a small band around the outside yeah, of the Yeah, spray frame. it at face make level sure no there. no pest can get inside. Stick if you have your fucking face needle, in it, cowboy. Spray around the outside deck, front porch, and you know anywhere the, uh, you might the be Wait, wait, wait. What's that drip? What is that drip? Go back, go back, go back, go back. Go it's back. been dripping since yeah. he put water in it. It, like, okay. And, shook yeah. it. and you know that, the outside deck. You know that area. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the garage a garage door. Oh, the handle leaks. Yes, that's leaking. Yeah, and the and the area. <laughs> we need a gift for that. Can next we get to, a gift for that, please? Next to the, next to the garage door, Matt. That's an example of a prohibited area where you can't spray because when it rains in front of the garage door, yeah. all of that will then run off into the waterways. Mm. Shit. <laughs> Shit, I mean, <laughs> look at the overhead <laughs> spraying oh, of the lantern there. Yeah, did, did he? Was that oh, on his Lord. license exam? Did he just fuck that part up? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Hey, listen, you, did. you only had to get 35 of the 50 questions right, Matt. And you know what? Yeah. Fuck you. C's get degrees, baby, all day long. All day long. <laughs> this Look at this. Is there any areas inside your home where you've seen bugs? Use the <sighs> pesticide mixture as a spot treatment in the affected areas. This wait, wait, wait. Your kitchen, basement, utility room, or anywhere else you've seen bugs. Make sure you use the entire bag during application. The mixture can't be stored overnight. To dispose of the pesty application equipment, recycle the box and instructions, throw away the pesticide container and bag, and properly dispose of the electronic sprayer. For full safety Time application information. Help me out here, guys. Am I an idiot? Would you not have to mm-hmm. triple rinse and puncture that container? You do. Yes. You do. You have to triple rinse and uh maybe maybe it's in the instructions. Not... Let me let me ask when you triple rinse the container, do you pour it down the fucking storm drain too? Well, that's what I was going to say is then my next question yeah. is rinseate. What do we do with the rinseate? Do we Yeah, what do we dump that in the bag and then apply that more? Where do we apply it? Like uh, I'm just saying this is a uh, I understand the premise <sighs> of this of like, hey, we're going to disrupt the market. We're going to like but you don't take something that is regulated and you know what here's the thing is that the uh the pesty guys probably will never watch this video right but if they did i would say that listen you're gonna feel like oh here's these lawn care operated perimeter pest control guys that are just shitting all over us and these are the exact type of people that we're trying to go after this that and the other thing no no we are responsible applicators we are licensed applicators we are insured applicators that have experience in dealing with these particular products, right, in a safe and consistent manner, right? When you put these in the hands of somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, not only could they do something illegal, they could very well do something that hurts themselves or other people. And that is why we get pissed off. So I understand that you can save, I think on their website, they talk about, you know, you can save 100 bucks a year, 200 bucks a year, whatever the number is, right? Is it really worth it, right? Is that the place in your life that you want to go out and save a couple hundred bucks, Ray? Is that the place? You know, cut the fucking no, Starbucks out. Really. Don't supersize that goddamn value meal at McDonald's. Do something better to save that money and let a qualified professional handle the shit that they should be handling in most states because the state says so. That's all I'm saying. That's right. my only gripe. Right. Because Sorry. Uh, you know what my biggest problem is with this, Ryan? Is that you know all of those products that they are advertising that they that they say they're going to dispense to the consumer? All those mm. products have a, a statement on the label for sale to use by and storage by certified personnel only. Okay. Yeah. That that is the statement on all of those product labels, and in other words, uh, you as a consumer should not have a bottle of temperate or demand dual. You shouldn't because right there on the front of the label for sale to use and storage by certified personnel only. Do you know where it is safe to use? I asked J pink to bring this up because I want to show that Mm -hmm. this is (laughs) the kind of person that would use pasty. Exactly yes. right. Like and 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 again, no slight to this guy. I I understand, and and I fault I fault social media for this, right? In general, um, to even TikTok. get into their head that tenacity could have this sort of efficacy, and can you read not it for our, taking our radio the listeners? time to just look at the label? 
I mean, the most basic premise here that you could look at is you can look at a tenacity label and see if uh, insecticide or uh, a, a, a mole is a, is a mammal. Uh, you know, a, a mammalicide is is listed. A rodenticide is listed anywhere on that. And it is it is mm-hmm. not. You do not see that. And it's the fault of social media that attempts to shortcut this shit and devalue it and oversimplify it to the point where, and they talk about, oh, it cures this, it cures that, it does that, it'll solve it. It's the best thing on the market. And that's how people get this shit in their head. This is exactly what we're running into here. Oh, man, I just sign up with Pesty and they say, they say it's good. Look, if you look at the Pesty website, it's got some some pretty redhead lady Wearing no gloves, no nothing, carting around her pesty bag and her and her and her sprayer, that just makes it look like oh, it's just a good old thing that I get to go out and do a little squirt, squirt, and I feel all right without any sort of knowledge as to what's actually going on here. And again, these are the types of products that are on the chopping block for professional applicators, like trying to take this away from us, trying to take it away from Ag. However, we can put it in the hands of people who have no idea what the fuck a neonicotinoid is and let them go nilly-willy with it. We don't have to teach about triple rinsing. We don't have to teach about reading labels. You just take your container, dump it into your your magic Mylar bag, just haphazardly fill it up however you got to. How many people are going to fill that up in their kitchen sink because they don't have a fucking nozzle (laughs) attachment on there? You know, that's the kind of shit you're going to see, and they're going to say, well, it's safe to spray inside, therefore it's safe to fill it up in my kitchen sink. And then how many kids are going to think it's a bottle of method soap and then use it to wash their hands or whatever the case may be, you know? And it's it's the oversimplification, the devaluation of the industry as a whole and social media, in, in, I sound like a boomer here, is is fucking steamrolling <laughs> this into existence. And it's a problem. It's an absolute problem. I'm going to go ahead and read that last thing real quick. Uh, let me, no, let me yeah, read yeah, this for everybody here. Just so everybody is on audio is aware of what Matt oh, was, sorry. was going <laughs> off with after, after this, right? But the you know we talked about Pesty and then... A, a Facebook post was shared in our mailbag with us uh, that says in a lawn group that says, how do you get rid of moles in your yard? I've seen from using tenacity to trap. So this gentleman has capitalized tenacity as he's, he's what? referring to the herbicide tenacity to control moles. Oh, Jesus. I so mean, asking other folks minute. like what what you should do. And that's not OK. That's just no, that is not OK, I, because you know what? Our last uh, burn-in return was specifically related to how the state of Michigan had to clamp down on that one product because it was misused, right? Yeah. Michigan had to, had to clamp down on that golden melrin flybait because people were using it and <laughs> yeah, bald yeah, eagles yeah. Were, dropping out of, were dropping out of the sky. And by the way, I know what mesamil is. You know how I know mesamil? Please. It's something called Lanate LV. And okay. it comes in a little one gallon plastic jug. Uh, vegetable and fruit farmers use it quite a bit. But that shit will kill you. Okay? 
No, Ray, it's, it's, <laughs> listen, you can use an HPPD inhibitor. You can use whatever you want because it comes in a one-ounce container, and all you got to do is mix it in your Pesty bag and make your application mm -hmm. and, and follow my how-to video on how to get it done. And by the way, if you Jake use bag. my link in the description below, you can save 20% on your next Pesty order. Um, I'm going to let this go because I'm getting madder and madder. And I, in fact, I don't even want to talk about anything else for the rest of the show. Fuck the returns. Fuck the mailbag. Um, but you, real quick, I wanted to bring this up because in an in, in effort for me to remain transparent, I have talked positively about this product in the past. And however, we have some negative press about it. And so I want to be transparent about what may have been uh, 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 an endorsement in the past I would like to take back. Uh, study uh -oh. shows struvite is a good phosphorus source for crops. Now, the headline here is that struvite is good. However, as we get into the results here, struvite, it turns out, is okay. Um, the results showed that struvite increased grain yield of spring wheat, but not flax. The alfalfa grass forage responded very well to the fertilizer. The researchers also noted that the benefit to the alfalfa grass increased in the second and third years of the study. Thus, struvite applied in 2017 provided an even greater benefit in 2018 and 2019 than it did in 2017, the year it was applied. Although they don't know for certain why the crops responded differently, they have some ideas. It may be they get nutrients from the soil in different ways. Flax, for example, gets help from fungi in the soil to get phosphorus. This may be why it didn't respond well to struvite. Crops like alfalfa produce acids to help dissolve phosphorus in the soil. That may have been why it responded well to the fertilizer. Scientists want to perform more research to learn about the differences between crops and the reasons for these differences. So, again, this is also known as crystal green. And I've talked several times about crystal green and improvements in phosphorus availability. However, we see here that struvite is an insoluble phosphorus source. And in that vein, because it is an insoluble phosphorus source, you're relying on root exudates in order to make these products available. And in certain types of crops, uh, root exudates are done so more through, uh, instead of uh, acid root exudates, you may have uh, synergis synergisms between uh, fungal counts within the soil and uh, the root system. And that's what allows for uptake, you know, you talk about like mycorrhizal complexes and stuff that are naturally occurring in the soil. I'm not saying you need to go apply mycorrhizae. Under no circumstance should anybody really have to apply mycorrhizae to any soil. Um, and especially if you expect to get any kind of positive benefit out of it, you might get a benefit out of it for a week. And then after that era, the natural uh, populations will catch up and everything's going to be back to a okay. There's lots of research about that. Feel free to go dig through that. And, uh, and, uh, and we can fight about it on air. I promise you, I'm 100% okay with that. So again, case in point is that uh, crystal green alone may not be a solution. This may be something that if you're going to use crystal green in order to facilitate the availability of it, the application of additional products or additional acids may be necessary in order to make quick solubilization a thing. So for instance, an application of like, oh, I don't know, sulfuric acid or a product like hydrogen glycine may be necessary in order to make this available. So I want in and in me personally as I continue to learn about this shit, I want to I want to share with you to say that I was fucking wrong and I'm okay with that. And uh and I will not change my mind that Pesty is okay. So that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Gentlemen, we are way over fucking time. Let's check out this week's returns. La, 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 I can't believe those guys. I'm gonna talk right over this buffer right here. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Sounds like it's ready for a strongly worded email, Matt. 
I, it's not going to be an email. It's going to be an invitation to come on a Thirsty Thursday episode and and justify why we should take them serious. Um, Ryan, how do I how do I say this city? What is the? I, I, let me look. Light, light, Leicester, 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 Leicester City, Leicester City's city. messy. Of, what is it? Messi? Is that short for Messi? Messi, Messi, Messi of Moen. Messi. What is Messi? Messi? You want me to read this one? Please. (laughs) Get me off the fucking screen, J. Pink. (laughs) All right. Leicester City's messy messy of mowing aims to inspire future grounds workers. All right. So I'll read this here. So his elaborate pitch designs led him to being dubbed the messy of mowing. But for Leicester City's John Lewis, his turf trimming masterpieces, including the club crest and the center circle, were not a display of ego. Until the FA decided that they were hindering the referee's assistance spotting of offsides, the club's head of sports turf and grounds, and his staff produced an array of artistic agricultural architecture that had many fans talking about the designs. Luigi's even said that when he revealed his job to strangers on holiday, they instantly remembered the elaborate pitch patterns during Leicester's title run or title winning season. A lot of the time it follows me around, Luigi tells the athletic. Wherever I go, people talk about me and our designs. As soon as you say what you do, they ask, are you the patterns guy? You do the great patterns. The mysterious men behind the mower was finally figuring out. Fucking patterns guy? Yeah, I'll show you some of the patterns. It's it's pretty wild. How did they they reduce this guy to the the patterns guy? Because some of the stuff he was doing. He's way more than the patterns guy. He is way more than that. Wait, you'll hear this. What this guy's doing is amazing, but the patterns are ridiculous. I'll, I'll go find some here. Actually... Uh, J Pink. While I'm doing this, just look up his name and Twitter, and you can cycle back through his media. And some of his patterns will be in there. It's amazing stuff. All right, so are you the patterns guy. Are you the lawn boys? <laughs> yeah. Can you come into yeah. my house while I write you this check while I'm completely naked? <laughs> anyway, that was the whole point of it to get people talking. Explains the 36 year old. It got people engaged, and therefore we can hopefully try and capture the imagination of some of that next generation, the people who get interested enough so they have a little bit more respect for what we do or a little bit more understanding. The patterns and the artistic license have gone, but are gone, but the legacy of those patterns still carries on. It wasn't a vanity project. It wasn't the John Lewis patterns. It was to get people talking, and it worked. The reason Lewis, who became the youngest head groundsman in the country at Coventry City at age 23, wanted football fans to take notices was because of their desire to inspire young supporters to look at the groundskeeping staff as a viable career path within the game. Like millions of youngsters, Lewis grew up dreaming of becoming a professional player. While standing on the West Terrace at Highfield Road cheering on his boyhood club, Coventry, Lewis wanted to be out there on the pitch. By 13, I looked like Bruce Bottrager, Bottrager? I don't know, out of Matilda. Uh, I was quite portly. I was quite a portly kid. I, he- I hear you, John. I love you, man. <laughs> Quite quickly, I realized that I was never going to make it as a footballer. Same. Uh, Lewis has no connection with gardening as a boy, but his dad suggested he write to the grounds manager at Coventry, volunteer to help out. I said he had no idea what a groundsman is, but if he gets me on the pitch, I'll do it. We wrote a letter, and then a week later, he came back and offered me a few days in the summer holidays to help out. Instead of killing bugs, Lewis caught one, groundskeeping. It's one of those industries that really gets under your skin. All right, from the age of 13, he was volunteering and walking. So let's skip down here just a little bit. So essentially what they're doing here, gentlemen, is uh, this week is Grounds Week. Uh, it's finishing up there over in the U.K. 
and what Leicester City has done, what John specifically has spearheaded, is basically an academy. So if you if you're familiar with uh, European soccer and particularly uh, the uh, Premier League over there, is that they have a lot of these like academy teams and club teams that sort of the guys that are good rise up through the ranks and become sort of the cream of the crop, right? That's the top club. And so John sought to basically make a similar type of system within their club and hopefully spread it to other clubs throughout the country there where they are taking in and they've invested an absolute shit ton of money to take in essentially apprentices off the street, right? And people that are interested in doing this as a career and making them into uh, groundskeepers right giving them all the tools giving them all the access the connections he brought his group actually over in uh january to the uh sports field managers association uh conference and show down in savannah georgia uh again a, a small group i want to say about 12 people or so if i'm remembering correctly uh that they've got going right now and i think what they're trying to do again is to take this off into other places and so to john and grounds week thank you for everything that you do that's nothing. I'll I'll find one that's really good here in a second. But the uh, again the 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 passion that people have for this industry. If you're not in it, I hope you'll understand it and connect with somebody that does. Right, somebody like us that, yeah, you know, we'll talk to you about our our heartaches and our trials and tribulations and everything like that. And that's any career, right? I mean, any career. But I will tell you, gentlemen, the number one thing that is threatening our industry. It's not pesticide regulations. It's not water restrictions it's none of that stuff the fact of the matter is is that we do not have enough qualified people in this industry to take over for even us matt martin us in our mid-30s to be the next generation we simply don't people are leaving this industry at an alarming rate right and i'm not just talking lawn care i'm also talking about golf I'm talking about sports turf right all of it the, all the sectors that go into our great industry and again what's what's stopping it is just a very huge lack of awareness by uh, folks, you know, when they're in school, right, when they're in high school and thinking about careers and things like that, or for people that are looking for second careers, people that, you know, were pissed off and tired of their office job during COVID and decided to go do something different, right? And I've met a number of those peoples that have discovered this career, right, and are just blown away by it, absolutely blown away, just in, you know, the year, year and a half that they've been doing it. Uh, and so I guess that's our big thing is that a lot of times what we hear from an awareness standpoint, I never knew or heard about that. Never knew that that could be a thing. Didn't know that if I put my nose to the grindstone out of high, out of high school and then out of college, right, that I could be making, you know, upper five, you know, low six figures inside of you know ten to fifteen years after getting out of school. Maybe even quicker if you're really good at what you do. It's an impressive industry. It's got a lot of potential right now, and it's going to have even more, right, because the amount of people that are getting out of it and the amount of work are going in opposite directions right now. It's an unfortunate thing, but it's true. And so I don't know, I, I, my only question to you guys and Matt to round it out and to try and be a little bit helpful, right, and hopeful, uh, you know, besides the huge uh, opportunity that is perimeter pest control right now, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I, if, you hadn't, if you were listening, you should have seen how Matt snapped his head at me and gave me the look. But anyway, um, what would you, how, how, oh, look at that, so that's, that's one of them. That is beautiful. That's pretty good. Oh, that. That is distracting me right now. Terrible yeah. radio. Yeah, yeah, that is just Gra grass pattern radio. We'll yeah, link up a picture in the show notes. You can click on it mm -hmm. on your Spotify or Apple. But anyway, gentlemen, listen. It's something I am deeply passionate about. I am not going to be here forever. 
Neither are you two. Well, maybe Ray. He'll probably outlive us all. No, he no. House. I mean, I, he has a porterhouse no, every I week. Got, but no, I got I got reminded because one of my cut, you know, this person that I was talking to today said, "Ray, you're gonna be fifty this year. Uh, how long can you keep on doing this?" I mean, I had people legitimately concerned about me because, you know, they know that. 50 is halfway to 100. Okay? 50 is halfway to 100. <laughs> In well, other words, I got called old. I got, got called old, old okay? <laughs> it just it, it lends credence though, Ray. How do you how do we have the next green duck? What's it going to take? Matt Martin? No, it's How do we have the next grass factor? What's it going to take? Look at that shit right there. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it, what, it won't take much for the next grass factor. I promise you that. You know, Ray, <laughs> Ray is unreplaceable. That is for sure. I'm just saying. How do we? You know, I, I'm. I don't think, I expect you guys to have all the answers, but I don't know. What can we do? If people are listening out there and can be inspired by something we say, I ask you both as qualified, successful people that have been paid in the nude. Some of us. Uh, what do we need to do? <laughs> you know, and I, I, my take on this is that it, there, there does need to be. I'll, I'll tell you the simplest thing that can be done is if if there are are young, uh, and when I say young, I'm talking sixteen, seventeen, eighteen to twenty year olds that are out there that you know that are looking for something to consider a career path. Share what we do. Let let them listen to a couple podcasts and understand that this is the 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 type of industry with a lot of tremendous upside potential. Uh, this industry rewards self employment, probably unlike any other industry that's out there right now. And it is I, there's a, there's a certain amount of of everyday passion that gets applied that I think does not exist in, in corporate environments, right? When you, when you work in corporate environments, whether, and I'm not shitting on engineers, I'm not, I'm not shitting on corporate attorneys. Those people do things that I'm not capable of doing and kudos to them for wanting to do it. And I know everybody has it in your head that if you, if you get a corporate engineering job, you're going to make a hundred grand a year. You, you, you will eventually, but probably not too far along from, you know, that if you get out there and you you cut your chops in turf grass management and you either become self-employed or you get on at a good club or you take your experience and you apply your own flair like Ledwidge at Ledwidge does here, then you're going to be able to make a hundred grand at about the same rate in engineer would. And uh and the, the difference is is that if especially if you do it without corporate structure, there's no upside to what your your earning potential can be. And it's hard work, but it's very rewarding work. You see the fruits of your labors on a daily, monthly basis, and uh, and you're working with nature. And for anybody, especially, and I, I want to make a point about this. And I think um, I, I can't recall his name right now, but um, the uh, the turf grass zealot makes a, a, a very good Dave Wilbur. Uh, Dave, Dave Wilbur does a good job of talking about mental health within within the industry. And if you know people, especially young people that struggle with mental health. I promise you, working outside, sweating every day, putting your hands in the earth, there's no better industry to get into. Uh, and, I, and I'm and i saying people that have addiction issues, people that deal with bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, th- th- this is an industry that rewards uh, I, interesting people. 
Uh, the only thing you have to show is a little bit of passion, and it inspires passion from the strangest of people. And I mean that with absolute love because there's a certain amount of camaraderie that goes along with it. And all of a sudden, you will find yourself incredibly close friends with those strangest of people. And then the big shock is when you realize you are one of those fucking strange people, too. And then it feels really good. <laughs> Yep, Ray. Because otherwise, go ahead. Uh, because otherwise, the uh, getting into this industry, it is actually rewarding. You can be your own boss. You can call the shots. Uh, you're owned by no one. But the flip side to that is, is you got to put in the work. You got to do your homework. Because the other statement that I had today, in addition to being called old, is. This person had no idea that turf and ornamental management was so scientific. Okay. Yeah, you need yeah, a degree no for idea. that. Yes. I had no idea. I said, I said, you better believe yeah. it. This is scientific, yes. and the people that don't take a scientific approach to this, one, either they work very hard and don't get the results, or two. They fuck things up and they do it epically. <laughs> and <Okay>. uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just think, you know, there, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack and I would love to continue to, to talk about this and, and we will, right. It's not, it's not going to be solved in this episode, but man, is it an alarming thing right now to see the industry that we all love. And again, see so much promise and potential in terms of the market and the opportunities that are out there while at the same time seeing Fewer and fewer people get into it. Fewer and fewer good people, right? People that can sustain no, us and move every, forward. Everybody has, uh, basically, they have fantasies right now of being Elon Musk's or uh, Mark Zuckerberg's bitch. That's the, that, that's the end goal of the current generation. Well, I'll tell you what, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't the boys at uh, some of those big commodity lawn care firms, Matt Martin, love to do TikTok lawns. They want you to be in and out in three minutes or less. Otherwise, you could find a new fucking job. All right. Now, with that. Wait, what, wait one more thing. One more thing. For the people for the people that, that want to become Elon Musk, this is a serious, serious food for thought. If we were to colonize Mars, someone who has an expert <laughs> green thumb is going to have to grow food on it and figure out how to grow food in soil structures that we do not have a lot of experience with. Again, it is there. there's a lot of research out there that NASA has already started in trying to figure out from a geological perspective how to grow food in those soils, however that has to be done. And you can go and recreate pretty close Martian soils and start running your own experiments right now to be ready for when that comes around. Because guess what? They're going to hire plant scientists to be on those types of missions to figure that shit out and preserve humankind. That is a very real possibility. Art, culture, all that fun stuff will be a continuation. But I promise when it comes time for sustenance, and this is why, especially at this point in my life, as I'm getting older and out of less of the of the daily grind and uh, sweating my my balls off, you know, for the for the for the industry, it's more so thinking about how to leave a lasting impact. And part of that for me, that that passion has now moved into uh, food and learning about that because that was not something I did in in school, right? And so, 
Now, as I've gotten older, I've shifted my focus. And, and here's another thing, too, is that if you want an industry where you never stop learning, it does not begin and end at college. I promise you that. It is a lifelong endeavor. Every day you can learn something new. I always said to myself, I would get out of this space the day I stopped learning something new. It's the same reason I married a foreigner is because I knew every day we would learn something new about each other, culturally, language-wise, whatever the case may be. It's the same way I apply to my professional life. I hate to be so transactional about you know my, my personal life, my marriage, but you know if, for me, that's how I stay engaged, right? The same thing in my career choices. You know, whether now that even though I'm in manufacturing, I am so chemistry centric in what I do every day for the green industry. I am doing the nitty gritty chemistry for the green industry. And it is, it is absolutely uh, the, the most satisfying. I mean, I, I check out my Twitter. I forwent a salary <laughs> for a year and a half and put my family through absolute fucking hell to chase this dream. And you know what? It's, it's for the better. And, you, and, and I'm lucky to have a partner to, to afford me the ability to, to, to do this. But I did it because I fucking love this industry. Oh, I thought you were uh, going to say about Twitter. I thought you were going to say on the Twitter feed. You also love hating on people that think that regenerative agriculture is the second coming. Jesus, I know. I love regenerative <laughs> agriculture too, but it does not. It does not become the Bible of of uh, uh, how to manage how to manage uh, agriculture moving forward. You know, but rigidity is something you taught me to be less of, Demay, and uh, I will apply that in my approach as I learn more about agriculture. As it gives well. me anxiety. I love you. Uh. Thirsty Friday again. Thirsty oh, yeah. Friday again with guess who? Our favorite, hmm. Aaron Smuffhuggin, Donnelly, Lush Lawns. Lushy is coming I'm, on Friday. You know that means I'm we're going to have a with lot Lushy. of BS. I'm Dude. partying with Lushy this week. And I'm going to Providence. Jesse Bousquet, one of our, one of our gonna, other sponsors. I, we, I, I believe we're going to dinner. I think. Uh, is Telly, is LTK Trucking going to haul you up to, uh, up to fucking Boston? You need to call Telly. <laughs> It's an have 11 and a half hour drive truck and, and fucking airplane and right, right up to Boston. I, I mean, listen, I can Incorporate go on the airplane. All the sponsors. It's, it's, it's going to be costly. You know what? You get a man of my size strapped to a pallet LTL. It's going to get probably more expensive than airfare is right now. All right. I mean, that's just the, that's the economics of it. Yeah. Gas is a little high. Diesel is a little bit higher. So, uh, you know what? I'll take I'll take uh, my business class seat for this uh, this trip, and uh, I'll swallow it for this one. But next time, Telly, I'll get a quote. I'll get a quote. All right, everybody, y'all have a fantastic evening. We're going to the show after the show to let our fine co-producers uh, pick this week's title. 